Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, hello. Today's episode of All Facts, No Cap, we have Isabella Radovan, the Austin Spurs sideline reporter, G affiliate of the San Antonio Spurs, and beauty pageant walking coach, Izzy. I am so happy to have you on. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited we finally made this happen. Yes, so am I. So let's go ahead and hop right into it. Anybody that knows me knows that my childhood favorite team in the NBA has been the San Antonio Spurs, obviously just drafting Victor Wimbanyana. Tell me how that experience has been so far. It's been great. So I spent some time with him yesterday and last weekend. And like the reports have always said, he's really driven, super nice. He speaks well, very mature. He's only 19 years old, and that's exactly what you get with him. I mean, just answering all the social media questions, all the media questions, there's just so much stuff he's getting thrown at, and it's pretty impressive that he's handling that, being able to be on the court, perfect his game, and then deal with all the craziness, too. So you saw how, obviously, right after the draft, I think it was the the day after, how he had dinner with Manu Ginobili. He had dinner, uh, I believe David Robinson was there, Tim Duncan. What do you think that is going to, what impact do you think that's going to have on him being a young player, obviously, coming into the NBA from another country, or should I say another continent, and him being able to follow in the footsteps of those former San Antonio greats? Well, that big three really has like a certain characteristic trait and they have like similar mannerisms. And that is actually what Wemby has when you're around him. When I was around him, I kind of kept thinking, wow, he kind of reminds me of like the Manu, Tony and Tim, just super mature for their for his age. And I honestly feel like he fits in perfectly with that group. He's an old soul. I mean, his questions were not like. Oh, when you go on the road, like how is like the nightlife, whatever he's asking thorough questions, like, Hey, how do I recover my body? How do I handle 82 games? Like, he's asking thorough questions. Like what 19 year old is asking those types of questions. It's pretty crazy, but I think it helps him with like longevity too, being a spur, having those mentors around. Yeah, and I, for one, hope that he pans out to be everything that everybody is projecting him to be because I'm sick and tired of seeing my Spurs at the bottom, or should I say the basement of the Western Conference standings. I know it's early. Obviously, just got drafted not too long ago. But do the Spurs have a plan in place as far as how they're going to bring him along? Is it going to be slowly? Is it going to be somebody somewhere where they just thrust him in the starting lineup right away? Do you have any idea or what are you hearing as far as what their plan is for him? Um, Yeah, they definitely have a plan with him. He's not traveling to Sacramento. He's not going to be there for that. He'll be in Vegas for Summer League. But even at that, I don't think that he's going to be playing every single game. I think they're going to have him in a few games. 
but he just, I mean, he told us he's excited just to put that Jersey on. So, I mean, I mean, I'm excited to watch him. The guys are excited, but yeah, he won't be at Sacramento. He'll be in Vegas though. I see. So obviously Izzy, you run your own online clothing store. You're a beauty pageant walking coach. You're a Spurs reporter. You're also a reporter for UTSA Roadrunners, the football team. So it's very clearly evident that you being so well-rounded and obviously being as busy as you are and a lot of times in a male-dominated industry. Talk to me how you're able to still maintain your voice, maintain your presence, and being able to overcome any possible stereotypes or any sort of hurdles that you may have had to hop over along the way. Yeah, I think a lot of women in sports have had situations, unfortunately, in the sports world, whether they felt like they, their voice wasn't heard or they've gone through certain situations, which is really upsetting for me to hear. I personally have not ever experienced that, thankfully. I've actually had a really great experience everybody I work with. I mean, obviously I'm normally the only female in locker rooms or where I'm at, but like the men have always been very respectful and nice to me. I haven't had any issues, thankfully, but I think, I think when I did pageants in the Miss USA system, I really think that helped me build my confidence in myself. It helped me pay attention to detail. And it also just showed me how to like prepare for anything and everything and also package myself. That was one thing I noticed when I came in the sports industry that I feel like I kind of had a leg up on that because like in Texas, it's one of the biggest beauty pageants like in yep. America, right? I mean, sometimes you're getting close to 200 girls competing. When I was doing it, we had like 170, 180 and everyone is like, obviously beautiful. They're driven. They're wanting to win very competitive. And in pageantry, it's all subjective. Like, I mean, maybe you like me, maybe you don't. I'm trying to get you to like, I'm trying to win you over. So and stuff like that, you're able to really figure out what works for you, your style, what colors work for you, having to pay attention to like the small details. And so when I went into sports, I feel like all of that really helped me, like paying attention to small details when I'm interviewing players, listening to them, finding stories, you know, hair and makeup for on camera, all those things really kind of actually prepared me for that. And I think that having the confidence in myself was able, that's how I found my voice in this in this world. And, you know, it's it, it it's so interesting, the correlation, because for me within sports, that's where I gained a lot of my confidence. And what I'm hearing from you is that you gained it a lot from the beauty pageants and things like that. And go ahead and expand on exactly how confidence really is the key when it comes to being able to achieve your goals, being able to achieve your dreams or just simply being able to not shrink in the moment, being able to stand tall whenever you're in certain environments and being able to go ahead and take care of whatever task that may be ahead of you. Yeah, I would say like, like the confidence factor is everything. Like when you have that, you're kind of unstoppable, but it also goes like to the mental aspect, like the muscles, uh, I mean, the brain is a muscle. So you go to the gym, you work out your body, but you don't really check in with your mind and you're not feeding it words of affirmation. Like that's a, another job that you have to do. Like nobody just wakes up feeling confident every single day. You're normally kind of talking yourself through the day, hyping yourself up. Yeah. So that's something huge that I learned. And that helps me with my confidence. I mean, I will say like probably the other day, I feel like I could tell that my confidence was shifting, um, just doing some sports stuff. And then I had to like kind of check myself and be like, wait a minute, like, no, like you can do this. You got this. So, I mean, there are days where I feel like, wow, like I actually am slipping <laughs> today with my confidence. So I have to hype myself back up. And then I'm like, no, I just got to talk myself through it. Like we got this. And 
I mean, the girls even I work with now just in coaching, I'm out of pageant world, but I'll help them like with their walk now. I tell them that too, like no one's going to hype you up. Like that's your job. Like you have to do that. And it comes with sports. It's competitive. It's male driven. I have to be that person for myself to know that I can go into locker rooms or go to games and know that I can get the job done um, to the best of my ability. Right now, present day, if you had a chance to talk to your younger self, what advice would you give yourself versus any pitfalls that you may have encountered or experienced or anything like that? What advice would you give to your younger self? I think two main things. It's the confidence aspect. And people are always like, well, how do you build confidence? Well, setting small goals and promises to yourself. And when you accomplish those, that's how you build it. It's a slow process. It's not this giant task, right? I mean, you can start with like going to the gym three times a week. When you do three times a week at the gym, you feel like I made a promise to myself. I kept Mm -hmm. it. How you build confidence. And I feel like that was huge for me. And then I would say the second thing that I think was a game changer. It was in 2017 to 2018. And it was just the mental aspect of having control over my thoughts and not let people or circumstances waver that for me. Because that used to be big. Um, my females don't know what I'm talking about. If you're liking a guy and he doesn't text you for the day or he doesn't call you, like your young self really takes that and you just kind of feel devastated and that's ridiculous. And I feel like now when I look back and you really can control your mind and your thoughts, like that is a game changer of like not letting that affect you and just staying in your lane and doing what you have to do. And then all that stuff will come. I can definitely attest to that as a young man growing up. That is something that always kind of perplexes you or you feel that anxiety when you reach out to somebody and they haven't reached out back yet. And should you go ahead and double text them, things like that. So trust me, I definitely know exactly what you mean on that. Uh, is, is that one of your pet peeves? Uh, yeah, I'm huge on like communication. When people don't communicate with me, I just, I mean, I don't lose it because, right, we are in our mental Zen space. But like, I just get so annoyed by it because I'm like, okay, well, like just communicate in or out, you know? Yeah, trust me. That's one of definitely one of my biggest ones. So here we go. Izzy, obviously, you have great energy. You have obviously attractive. And with you being as successful as you are, as well rounded, does that, does that bring up any issues? Does that bring up any any struggles or anything like that, whether it's professionally or even in your personal life with the amount of workload that you have to take on all the time? I mean, I will say I've gotten better at having like more of a work-life balance. That was my New Year's resolution going into this year of making sure that I have like a personal life and my work life is good because I work so much, but I love it. Like I'm blessed and grateful to do that. But there's that balance where you're like, wow, like I need to go like see this person or do this for myself. And sometimes like sleep is what gets cut first. You just don't sleep as much, but that's something I think it's difficult. Um, I would say like someone with just a nine to five, which is awesome. But you know, my job, I work really late. So they would be kind of weirded out by like, Oh, you're still at the arena and it's 11 o'clock. Like it's just not a normal work, work hours. So I think that makes it difficult when like, if you're trying to date someone or have a relationship, it's just, you have to almost date someone that has those types of hours or gets the environment that you're in. Yeah. You know, you've actually told me that one time before that you actually would prefer somebody that doesn't work a nine to five job just because they're able to relate to you on a much larger, or should I say, grander scale with 
not always being accessible with not always having free time. And sometimes your days being 12 hours long. And when you get home, the last thing you feel like doing is picking up the phone and send a text or even make a phone call just because of that workload. So here we go. Talk to me about this. Has that come up in issues? Has that actually been an issue before with somebody that you may have previously dated? Like my work hours? Yes. Mm, Or just the workload. Let's just say that. I don't think recently, like probably like my younger self, like, like if you're like, I don't know, like seven years ago or something, like when I was competing and doing that, it was more of an issue because now I just don't let it affect me. Like if that is the case, like I'm pretty steadfast and like, this is just my job. Like I'm not going to be freaking out at seven o'clock. Like they, whoever dates me, if they're not in the same industry just knows what it is. So I don't stress about it. Cause I'm like, I already told you, this is what it is. Like my younger self would be, it's like that people pleaser where you're like, Oh, you know, he's worried or he's like, whatever. Like, I just don't think I care that much. I'm not saying I don't respect it. It's just like, I told you what it was. So like, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Izzy, I'm starting to see that BD energy coming up off you. I'm starting to see that alpha woman. So, okay, here we go. Let's talk about what are some of your green flags? What are some of the things you're looking for in a potential partner? Oh, it's so funny because I feel like this is one of the most basic things that I just kind of figured it out probably like the end of 2022, Mm. but effort is like my number one thing besides communication. And I just feel like just the effort, like it's just not that difficult to be like plan something, make the effort, make it happen. I just feel like nowadays guys don't do that. Like the effort's Mm. not there. The communication's okay. Um, it's, you know, hit or miss. Like some guys would be like, oh, didn't know I had to talk every day. Like, which is to me such a cop out, like, duh. So I don't know. I would just say efforts, like my number one thing, but we've talked about this too. Like yeah. when you're watching talk and reels and they're like, well, if he would, or if he wants to, he would, which I think nowadays, like the woman kind of has to sometimes take the lead because guys get, I don't know, they're nervous. They don't want to get you know, hear no from a woman. So then it's like, well, I'm just not going to even go for it because I'm nervous or I'm scared. And we're over here. Like, why isn't he text me all day? Like they don't really <laughs> to do that because they're so worried about the ego. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of truth to that on many levels. And I think that when, uh, when you talk about how some guys may simply just not show the effort or they may not reach out every day and things like that. And I can tell you from something that a former track coach of mine told me a long time ago, way back when I was in college. And he always said, he said, Stanford, he said, no woman wants a man who's always available. Like if she reaches out to you, she calls you, texts you, whatever. And every time you respond back with, oh, nothing, just chilling at the house. No woman really wants that. She wants you to be about something. She wants you to have something going on. And if it means that you're busy, if it means that you're not always accessible, then you know what? That's just kind of like how it is. And I say all that to say this. I think for a lot of men, they feel that if they're always on your line, if they're always reaching out, well, then all of a sudden now it's not as appealing. You almost kind of look like you're desperate. You look like a bugaboo. You look like what you would say a beta male, something like that. So from a lot of the conversations I've had with certain men, that's how they feel they have to play the game just so the female doesn't all of a sudden now lose interest in them, which to your point is almost kind of like a double-edged sword. Yeah. But then it makes me think like when, if a guy's texting me, should I not be that available? Should I then be like, Oh, (laughs) let me 
Exum, because then it goes, are we playing games? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, then that break, that comes all the way down to like what is it the 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 the, the three day rule? Um, I I've been told that I know like I have certain homegirls that if they meet a guy and let's say they meet him at a a law a lounge a bar the supermarket whatever on Thursday afternoon and he texts her on Friday she won't respond back to Monday until you know because of the three day rule. So I trust me, I definitely understand what you mean and like it's it's always the nuances, it's always the nooks and crannies within the dating industry within the mind game the mental chess things like that and trust me i get it it is exhausting yeah like it's just so frustrating and people are like oh well, when it's the one you'll just know or it just works but then i'm like yeah but at some point you're still playing the game like i think the game is just always there to an extent like i don't think it just goes away someone's always playing some type of game because everyone's gone through something that's most likely hurt them so now they're just guarded all the time yeah, I mean, everything, everybody has something that they're healing from. Everybody is broken to a certain degree, especially within the significant other, the dating category, the personal side of their life. And so whenever you have that, you're still healing. And a lot of times without therapy or without just simply doing the work, you may not even know how to heal properly. And so you still always have that wound that's open and you don't realize that until you get a lot wiser, until you get a lot older, and then you're able to ascertain, okay, why do I do what I do? Why do I feel this way? Why do I react this way? What is my trigger? And I think that once you are able to define that, I think it makes it easier. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I think it makes it easier to uh, to be in the dating scene. And all and also, I'd say this, and a lot of men don't want to say this out loud, but as a man, you know what's in your league and what's not in your league. And whenever you come across a female that you know is out of your league, it does something to your psyche because you know she's out of your league. She doesn't quite know it yet. And you're trying to do everything in your power to continue to prolong her not realizing it, because the moment she realizes it, she's probably going to go ahead and leave you for a man who actually is in her league. So it's something that you're constantly nervous, apprehensive about while you're actually in the dating process with the girl. So is that normally why like a woman who's out of a guy's league and let's say she starts dating him, he knows that she's out. She doesn't know yet. So you think he just kind of like prolongs that until then what he ghosts her? Well, he won't ghost her, but he'll always have his guard up because he's always preparing for that other shoe to drop. And it sounds very pessimistic. It sounds very, very, very low to say, but it's just the truth. And so for women, Women are different than men. Obviously, like women, women have all the options at their disposal. But you and I both know as a man, some some men that you know what? If you're five nine, some women just won't date you because you're five nine. Period. Some men, if you have a certain type of job and it doesn't meet her criteria, she won't date you. It don't matter what your personality is. It don't matter if you have great character. It don't matter if you cure cancer. She just simply is not going to date you, period. And I think that when you really break it all the way down for a lot of men, they know that. So they're always cognizant of that, or dare I say apprehensive or scared, because that's how society is kind of 
illustrated the dating scene. And the longer that you can get her to not realize that she's out of your league, that's the longer grace period you'll have. And then that's when you have more of a chance. Okay, go ahead, make her fall in love with you, show her that you're a great person and that you might actually stand a chance. But it's something that's always in the back of your mind. I think then too, when like when the guy breaks up with the woman and then she's like, I can't believe he broke up with me. Like, why would he do that to me? Because he's like below her in status or whatever. And those are the ones that always get the girls. Like they're always like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he broke up with me. Like, I feel like I'm better than him. I have such a great catch. Like, why would he let me go? <laughs> but it's like, not really about us. It's more about him. And I think too, that's like actually a game changer. If you're a woman, like you shouldn't be taking it personal. Most likely he just doesn't even possibly feel that he can actually obtain you long-term. And you know, I'll tell you this, Izzy, is that women are stronger than men, period. Like they're stronger than men. And obviously when a female gets her heart broken or gets, you know, dumped or what have you, obviously it's not a great scene is she doesn't feel good about it. She's hurt. But when a man gets dumped, when a man gets his heart broken, Oh, it is ugly. And just from everything that you're taught from a young boy through adolescence is you don't want to cry. You don't want to show emotion. You don't want to show that you're hurt because, you know, most fathers, they see, hey, hey, son, you're all right. Get up. Like, you, like don't cry. You know, just dust yourself off. It don't matter if you're bleeding. You'll be just fine. Go back in the game. And so that's how you're raised from adolescence. And so when a man gets his heart broken, it is flat out ugly. So as men, we know we're not as strong as women. We know that. So we're always trying to find ways to circumvent that way we don't have to deal with that. Because like I told you before, um, women, they're definitely stronger than men as far as mental aspect, emotionally, all of that. And as a man, you are always trying to find ways to not be in that situation, caught in that fetal position where you're crying your eyes out in the bathroom. It's a terrible place to be. <laughs> I can tell you from experience it's a terrible place to be, Izzy. <laughs> but once you have get your heartbroken once. I don't know. I just feel like after that, you're just di not different, but you just don't rush into things. Like yeah. you're a little going forward. You're always like a little bit more on guard. Yeah. You definitely see the world differently. And for me, I think for men, I, you know, I think for, for, for everybody, but especially for men, I think that you need to get your heart broken. Like you need to get done wrong because I think that it helps you grow. I think that it actually helps you become more savvy. It helps you become more cognizant because if you're walking around here with your head in the clouds, always walking around with that naive type of mindset, there's a lot of pitfalls. There's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of boulders coming out of nowhere that you just simply may not see. And it's almost kind of like playing dodgeball back in high school where something just hits you out of nowhere, like a brick. So, I'm actually an advocate for, you know what? You do need to have your heart broken. You do need to have that one moment because it helps you grow. And then you also are then able to learn what it is you want, what it is you, what it is you don't want and things like that. What do you feel about that? No, I completely agree. I've had my heart broken one time and that was just like very painful, devastating. And, but I grew so much, like you kind of feel like you become almost not invincible, but you really do like your confidence is so much higher after that. You just kind of feel like you try me. Like I I've gone through stuff. I feel like, <laughs> but like the next one comes around. You're like, okay, like see if you, you know, see if you 
have all, I have expectations in my head and normally people disappoint you. But at that point you're like, well, I've already feel like I've been through the worst in terms of relationships because I was heartbroken. So it's like, okay, like, what are you going to do? Break up with me? I've already done that. So right now in, in this society, in this generation, we have this thing called dating apps and there's so many things like, what is it? Raya? It is Tinder. It is, man, I don't even know. <laughs> What are your thoughts on that? And do you think that that has actually been a greater or lesser impact within this generation? It's kind of difficult because I've never really been a fan of dating apps. I've always been so against them because I just feel like I'm yeah, going to meet or I'll meet them out. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's just more authentic. But maybe because my work schedule is really crazy, too. I like just think he's going to knock on my door one day and I'm like, oh, there's <laughs> Prince Charming just knocking at your door. I guess I'm delusional, but I mean, yeah, I feel like dating apps are good. I have a lot of girlfriends that have met like their fiancés or husbands on them. So I think that they work. I think a lot of people say, oh, well, they have so many more options when you're on dating apps. Like that's not true. Like think about how hard it is for you to like connect with someone, communicate, like all these things have to be there for that. So, I mean, it's not like dating apps are filled with these like tens everywhere. Like it's not like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Raya is cool and there's like, you know, there's interesting people on it, but just because I find you interesting, like you have to still find me interesting. Like we still have to click and True. connect. So there's so many aspects to that. And then it goes to like physical, like when you're with somebody, like, do you vibe with them? Like mm -hmm. people ask me like what your type is. I'm like, well, I don't know. Like when I'm around you, like then I'll know if I like, if there's something there. You know what? You brought up a, a great point. And I really want to get a female's perspective on this, but what is a 10? I guess a 10, like if you're a girl on a dating app, it really goes down because you don't know them, right? So personalities has nothing to do with this at this point. You're literally going off looks. I guess a 10 is like a standard, what most people would find attractive, like good facial features, good body, a jawline, good teeth, like things like that. I mean, I can't say there's one type of guy that everyone finds attractive, but for the most part, most girls would say, oh yeah, he's good looking. And it normally because he has those characteristics that I said physically, or he has a good, good job, or he's tall if he puts that into the, in the description, but it's still hard to say because he could have an awful personality or be a jerk and then doesn't really matter because most likely you should be out. Okay, so in that situation, let's say like one of your homegirls, let's say she goes, she meets a guy who's a 10. They go for drinks and she realizes that, you know, we're not really a good match. We, 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 I don't think that there's any future between us. And he goes and he tries to reach out to her the next day to try to set up a second date. And she just simply doesn't respond. Let's say she ghosts him. Mm -hmm. Why do people ghost instead of just simply having that? Sending that text message, hey, had a good time. Don't really think it's, you know, I see a future for us, things like that. Instead of, why do people ghost instead of just simply giving the polite salutation slash sound off? Send okay, off, I'm sorry. Levels to ghosting. If I go out with you for a date or two, I don't think that's ghosting. Like, I think max, oh. and you don't have to do that. Like, three dates, and I think. If you have gone on three dates, you don't have to say anything. I think you can get away with ghosting. That's the only buffer I have. After that, like if you've been dating someone and met their family and then you ghost them, you're trash. Like you have some issues and you need to go see somebody. Like that is ridiculous. Like if you've been with someone for a couple months or you've met friends two months, like 
that's insane. You have to say something and don't do it over text. Guys love to be like, oh, she's not working out. Like grow up and actually make the phone call. It's ridiculous. Like you were grown enough to get in it. You need to be grown enough to get out of it in a proper way. Like a text message. No. I get that. I agree with that. My only question would be is you already said that one of your biggest pet peeves is communication, right? So even if it's in the early stages and you don't feel like that's out of bounds to simply ghost them, isn't that lack of communication on your part? But it's the three date rule for me. Like if I've gone if it's three dates after three dates, then I'm like, you could say something three dates. I still feel like that's early. Like we don't, maybe it just doesn't work and that's okay. You kind of have to accept that ghosting to me. I don't know. Like that's further than three dates. That's a little bit longer or like not communicating or not texting. Like that's annoying too. Like if you've been texting all the time, every day, I mean, there's levels, right? If you're like texting, okay. I haven't met, but you text all the time. Then he doesn't talk to you one day. Like if that's life or you went on a date or two and he doesn't work, then I just would, I think you would assume like, it's just not working and like, okay, whatever, I'll move on with my day. Like you can't let that stuff affect you. But like, if you're in a relationship and you get ghosted, trash, like couple months, trash. Like you can <laughs> pick up the phone. I mean, it's, okay. it's awful. <laughs> okay, so just to go ahead and, 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 re- and reiterate. So let's say you go on, a, on two dates with a guy and you reach out to him and he doesn't reach back or he's ghosting per se, you're okay with that. You're not going to take offense to that. I mean, it's annoying, but what am I going to do? Like cry about it, let it ruin my day. Like there's a billion people in the world. She'll just find somebody else. Like, it's like, if you don't want to be with me, I'm not going to waste my day. Like hoping that you like find me great. Like I am great. Like, I don't need you to tell me that. Like you either see it or you don't like, I can't waste my life because like, Gary doesn't think I'm it. You know what I mean? Like you just can't let stuff affect you like that. Like there's just so many people like, okay, cool. It didn't work. Maybe I learned something from you on a date or two that I didn't know. And then I'll apply it to my next thing. It's just like having to not take it so personal, you know, like people are people and like, they just do weird stuff. And like, you're hoping (laughs) to won't do something weird and like can be mature about it. I don't know. People say it's like a numbers game. It's like, oh, well, if you're talking to this many people, like one of them has to work. Right. Which I mean, yeah, I guess if you're talking to like all these people, hopefully like in the dating process or dating phase, you're hoping one like sticks, which I would assume it would. You know, and I like what you just said right there. So whenever you're in the dating phase, do you have to disclose how many other people you're currently dating outside of the person that you're on a date with? And I'm saying think, this is for men and women. This is just like an open end, open ended question. Um, I think it's important to be very upfront with your expectations, depending on where you are in life. If you're like early 20s and you're just dating, like if you're in a space where you're wanting to get married and like actually settle down with someone, I think it's nice to be upfront about the expectations. Agreed. That is important. But to say, hey, how I'm dating all these people. I think you start ha- like normally the guy should bring it up like, hey, like, are we together? Like, what is this? Do you yeah. want this something? Because we're always like, is he going to bring it up yet? Like once we like a guy, it's like, when's he going to talk about it? And if he's <laughs> not about it, you're like nervous. Like, should I bring it up? But then you know that that is like a big no, no as a female. To, you can't bring that up to a guy because you guys will freak out and then you leave. You're like, oh, man, she wants to get serious and she's going to lock me down. My weekends are done. Like, I can't do that. So we had to like tiptoe around that. So it's like, okay, then I'm just going to wait for his 
but to come and ask me, like you have to wait around all the time. It's just so annoying. So I think like, I don't know if you're really frustrated, goes back to day three, maybe day three or four, you know, it all depends. Like how are you talking all the time, hanging out all the time? What's the chemistry like? Yeah. I, I've been there. I, I've been in those situations before. So I definitely understand what you're saying. <laughs> I don't think you have to say it though, unless he asks, but honestly, it's like not his business. And it's not your business to see what he's up to all the time or who he's talking to. Like you just kind of, as a female, you have to be a little unbothered. Like you just have to know you are that girl. Like, you know, okay. Talk to 20 other girls. Like I know who I am. And I can tell you, and this is just something that like I've even had conversations with certain friends of mine, uh, homies, what have you. And what you just said, the unbothered, the unbothered mood is something that always will get under a man's skin. It'll always get to him and it probably will make him act right. To be honest with you, is that unbothered type of mindset, that unbothered type of energy, that is the worst for a man to go ahead and just and just digest because it makes you feel like you're insignificant. It makes you feel like she's not worried about you. So just from the male ego standpoint, that's something that will usually always zap most men right back into uh right back into acting right. Yeah. They always say like, as a female, like you just need to work on yourself, focus on your career. Like when you're focused on yourself, that's normally when like the guy comes around or the guy's more attracted to you at that point, because you're not worried if he's communicating with you, you're just worried about living your life and like being present. Yes. No, it's so true on that. I've, like I said, you know, me and just simply having homegirls, uh, having a sister, having female cousins, things like that. That's one thing that I've always heard them talk about is that I'm just going to focus on myself. And so I've kind of learned that. So everything that you're saying is, is pretty much spot on. But like I said, I'm not a female, so I'll never know what you all go through. But I can tell you acting unbothered or just simply being unbothered. Oh, man, that always burns a man up, gets under his skin. Yeah. I mean, you kind of have to have that mindset. I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. There's probably a day where you're like feeling some type of way and you're kind of upset that he didn't talk to you or you're no longer talking. And then you like give yourself a day and then you have to get over it and then you have to move on. Mm. True words, Izzy. Okay, here we go. So let's say you already talked about Gary, how you just simply, let's say just when you bought it, when you just used him as a euphemism. Okay. You realize that there's no future between you and Gary. You don't have any attraction for him, anything like that. So now you told Gary that you just simply want to be friends. Do you think that men and women can be truly platonic friends? I mean, I have guy friends. Sometimes I wonder though, like, wonder if he likes Mm. me. Mm. But like, I have guy friends. Like, I like my guy friends. Like, they're fun. They're cool. Like. You know, like they like sports. I like sports. We have a lot in common. So I don't know. I think females are a little bit. It's easier for a female to be friends with a guy than it is for a guy to be friends with a female. I would agree. You know, like we can be literally just your friend and not want anything else from you. But a guy's normally like, I mean, if she would, then I'd be down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> gives me the okay then i'm down but like (laughs) we're not like that we're like hey do you want to hang out like just hang out and they're like okay i don't know i mean i think you think you can be it always shocks me though when it happens and actually no one really likes like either of them don't like each other i do find that a little weird but i've seen it like i've seen a guy and girl be friends and they both actually don't like each other like that 
So it's possible. I just, it's, it's kind of wild to me. Do you think that, do you think they can be friends? Oh man. <clears throat> On its face, I would say no, but I do believe that there are certain instances where that actually can be the case. I think that it probably is something that has a higher probability of happening if both are in happy relationships. I would say that's probably the 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 highest chance that you would actually have of that. And I say that because for men, you know, men are very pragmatic. Men are are they're black and white, up, down, left, right. So there right. really isn't much gray area when it comes to men. So oftentimes when a female meets somebody. Oh my God, they're going to be such a great friend. We get along, we have the same interests and this can be for a man or a woman, but for men, men don't really meet women thinking, Oh my God, she's going to be a great homegirl of mine. That's just not how men think. So he's either going to be a attracted to her B he won't be attracted to her. And if he's attracted to her, he's not going to think, Oh my God, she's going to be like a great attractive homegirl that I could hook up with a lot of my homeboys. That's not just how he's going to be thinking. And so there will always be some attraction there. Now, will he act on it? That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. But the 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 ideology, the attraction, the openness to what could possibly happen in the future will always be there. And so a lot of times, once you realize, okay, it seems like that door is kind of closed, that's when you just become okay with it. But the attraction, that's something that'll never leave barring some sort of, you know, catastrophic, unusual type of situation. Okay, wait, did you say that they could be friends if they were in happy relationships? I think that that would probably have the best, that's the best probability for it being a completely platonic on both ends, not just their friends, but one person kind of has a little bit of, you know, deeper feelings for the other one. I'm saying that they're both in happy relationships. I think that uh, you can't possibly have that. But like, if I'm dating a guy and like Sally's texting my boyfriend, he's like, oh, I'm just friends with Sally. Like, I mean, most females would be like, why is she texting you? Exactly. You know, like, so like you're saying that they could be friends, but that would really never happen because whoever significant other or partner would be like, uh-uh, I, I'm not okay with that. You can't be texting them. Yeah. And because the significant other is thinking, uh, I don't really think that y'all are just friends or she's thinking, uh, you know what? I think Sally kind of has a crush on you. Or if Danny's texting you, your boyfriend, he may think, uh, I think Danny kind of secretly kind of wants you, even though he says y'all are just friends. And that's where that's where the the possessiveness comes in. That's where the insecurities come in. So trust me, I definitely get it. I've been a part of that on both sides. But I think that from a truly platonic purely platonic standpoint i think that you have a better chance of achieving that doesn't mean your significant others are going to be okay with it but i think you have a better chance of actually achieving purely platonic relationship with if both people are in happy relationships because they're not feeling like they're missing something they, there's not a void that needs to be filled or anything like that that's why to me i feel like uh that's the best chance to have that occur so if you're dating somebody and like Sally texts you and your girlfriend asks you to block her. Would you block her? And block her number and block you her from social media. Would you do it? But man, I tell you this. Uh, Be it, honest. Would it would depend on how long I've been with her. 
that would that would uh that would be probably the first thing and then it would it would be a case by case basis and i say that because i think that once you start getting into the into that area i think it gets really tricky because now okay they're asking you to block somebody because they feel that that person has a crush on you i get it i understand it now you asking your significant other to block somebody are you willing to do the same thing if they ask you to? Okay, so on, I'm sorry, go ahead. Crazy though, like for someone to ask that, I feel like that's a problem. If you're asking that, then like there's an issue there. Yeah, it definitely is an issue. I mean, like it's probably rooted in some sort of insecurity, uh, some sort of deep rooted issue that simply wasn't resolved at an earlier point within the relationship. It could be a myriad of things. That's why I think that that's a very slippery slope when you start doing that. So for me to answer your question, it would be a case by case basis. Now, if it was a situation where it was a homegirl and she actually did something verbatim that could easily be interpreted as, you know what? I think she has feelings for you. Then you know what? I can understand why you're asking me to block her. I can understand that. But if it's just simply, well, you know, I just don't like the fact that y'all communicate a lot, even though most of what y'all talk about is sports or some mundane type of uh, type of subject that is in no way romantic or any any sort of way of being flirtatious or anything like that, then now I might push back a little bit, but if it's something that I can vehemently see, okay, you know what, this could be, this could be interpreted as flirtatious. So you know what, I probably would go along with it. Okay. What about going through someone's phone? Do you find that to be okay or not? Okay. (laughs) Man, listen, (laughs) as a, as a man who once did that in college, it was a long time ago, but I still remember it to this day. Going through that, some- oh yeah, going through uh, going through my girlfriend's phone back in college. That is something that I will never do again, just because for my own mental sanity, I'm not <laughs> going to do that. If it's something that is meant for me to find out, it'll come up, walk up to me, slap me in the face. I will yeah. not do that. And also, I think that if you find yourself going through somebody's phone, you already have your answer right there. If you find yourself yeah. The, with the urge to do that, you already have your answer that, you know, what's probably somebody you shouldn't be with because somehow, some way they're triggering your insecurities. And we all have insecurities. I don't care who you are. So if you feel that way, you're probably being led there for a certain reason, which is probably why you shouldn't be with them. But as far as looking at people's phones, I get it. Some people give each other each other's password. I get it. I understand it. I just think that if you find yourself needing all of that, just to go ahead and get that solidifying, sobering feeling of calmness. I just think that there's a deeper rooted issue. Yeah. They say like normally when you go looking for something like you, Oh, that's where you find it. Oh my God. Trust me. I remember that firsthand. Believe me. I don't, and I don't even mean to cut you off, but yes, you definitely will find it. I just feel like that kind of sucks though. Cause then it's like, well, is there hope for anyone to just actually be loyal? (laughs) Like if you're like wow gary like could be texting someone like just don't know because i'm not going to go through his phone like there's just so many things to that i don't know it's just, it, it does blow my mind sometimes yeah and i think that uh in, especially in today's society with instagram social media and just all the reality tv dating it definitely puts a negative spin on things it puts kind of like a damper on just the dating mindset and the optimism that one has for finding their person or should i say their significant other someone that they can spend the rest of their life with and i just 
really think it really just comes down to uh, morals. I think it comes down to character. I think it also comes down to expectations. And I'll even say this. That's why a lot of guys, that's why they get nervous when it's a female that's out of their league because they may feel that she's always looking for somebody better, somebody that's in her league, a.k.a. simply having a lot of guy friends, allowing them to text her at all hours of the night and things like that. So it just, man, trust me, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, Izzy. It just, it, it's a slippery slope. It really is. And I think that the best you can hope for is just simply being upfront, honest, being vulnerable, being honest about your insecurities, being honest about how you view things, being honest about what have you in communication. Because if you don't have communication, I don't really see there being any way that you're able to survive it if you don't in a relationship. Yeah, I agree. Communication is everything. It's a must. You have to have it. 